Hey, um, we're going to jump in here, but um, before we do that, just give me one second, okay? Ten to eleven years. Uh, excuse me for saying so, but it makes your little piddly two to three months feel kind of minuscule. I mean, I waited eleven years. Eleven years of waiting for God to keep his promise to me, waiting for the desires of my heart to come true. 10 to 11 years of living in the meantime, right? A, a clear promise had been made to me, that not by a governor, not by a government, but by God himself, right? A clear promise had been made, but there was no clear end, no fulfillment of that promise in sight. That there was no clear way for that promise to, to be fulfilled short of a miracle. Four years ago, if I'm honest, I had given up. I was tired of being in that valley of waiting. I had lost all hope. But when you're in that dark valley of waiting for a long time, doubt starts to set into your heart and to your mind. Maybe I didn't hear God right. Maybe God had changed his mind. Maybe I had done something to make God angry. But but just when I had given up, God showed up again. And he made me the same promise. In fact, he made the same promise only bigger and with more evidence to back it up, more evidence that the promise could absolutely be trusted. And, and that should have been good. I should have celebrated, but it created this tension in my heart. Now, on the one hand, I was, I was frustrated. I still didn't have that promise fulfilled. It wasn't in my hands. And I, and I still saw no clear way for God to get it done short of a miracle. Uh, on the other hand, God renewed and, and restored my hope, even though I didn't really want him to. I moved from that dark valley of waiting back onto the mountaintop of anticipation. And I wish I could say that I stayed on that mountaintop of anticipation for a long time, but but each day I slipped back into the valley. This valley of waiting was starting to feel like the Grand Canyon. Each day my questions grew. Each day my questions became doubt. I doubt I heard God write those two times. It must have just been the desire of my heart speaking. I'm sure that God has changed his mind. I doubt that he cares enough about me to do this miraculous work. You see, something happens. Something happened to me, at least, in the meantime. Something happened to my eyes, uh, to the eyes of my heart and my mind. As I slipped deeper and deeper into the valley, I focused less and less on the promise of God. If I'm honest, I focused less and less on God, period. I focused more and more on the problem. The problem is what raised all those questions and those doubts in my heart. The problem is what made the meantime so difficult. The problem was the thing staring me in the face, begging for attention, begging for action day after day. So what did I do? I got to work. I connived a solution. I, I put my nose to the grind and I got it done. I solved the problem. 
in hindsight, I, I feel a little bit silly. Uh, I, I wish my focus had been on something else. Uh, I, I wish my focus had been on Jesus, but I, I was just so focused on the problem. I, I mean, it was staring me right in the face, impossible to ignore. Um, when I saw the problem, uh, the man, I mean, uh, my heart and my mind were, were filled with questions. The man was, was disheveled and dirty. He, he'd clearly been living the hard life for years, right? Lots of years, uh, too many years. And he was blind. Uh, how long had he been this way? Why didn't God intervene? Why didn't God do something about this man and his problem? Why doesn't God care about him? And then, and I know this is a little bit judgmental, but I, I couldn't help but ask the why question. You've been there. Why was he like this? What had this man done to deserve such a fate from God? Or maybe best construction on things, I thought. Maybe his parents were being punished for something. Addiction, mistreating other people, mistreating him. Why had this happened and who was to blame? Those were the questions that filled my heart when I saw the problem, the, the, the man. Uh, okay, okay, let, let, let me just explain. I, actually, I probably don't have to actually explain anything. I mean, I, you know what it's like. Yeah, you know exactly what this is like. You've got some great opportunities in front of you, but you, you've also got a giant-sized problem. It should be easy to move forward, but you keep looking back at the past. You are used to things being a certain way. I was living in the meantime. Uh, Jesus had died. Jesus had risen from the dead and shown himself all over the place to all kinds of people. I watched Jesus ascend into heaven. I was living in the meantime moment. I was living, for, waiting for him to return. I was, I was trying my best to figure out how to be a witness in every moment of every day and in every part of my life. The problem is that I was stuck in the past. I was so used to God working among a certain group of people, my people, people like me. That's, that's kind of the way it's always been. Um, I, I was used to focusing on right practice, right, right behavior, doing things the right way, purposefully and carefully. Um, I was used to intentionally avoiding doing things the wrong way. It, it, it's been very important, extremely important in the past, and I was stuck there. Yes, yes, I know that God was making it clear. Uh, I had been receiving these visions, visions of animals that weren't, that weren't right. We weren't supposed to eat those animals, but God gave me these visions of animals and said, eat. And then there were, there were the foreigners that showed up at my door. God told me that they'd come, and then they came, so I went. And God told me um, that they would listen to whatever I would say and that they would believe. And they did foreigners, putting their faith in God. This was a whole new opportunity. Everything was so different now, and it was a little uncomfortable, a little unfamiliar. Uh, I, I had lived in the past for so long, it, it was hard to shake it. You know what that's like. Uh, folks, let me just uh, recap uh, those, those three stories and, uh, and talk to you about some of the tendencies that we face in the meantime. 
Um, our tendency in the meantime is to focus on the problem. Anybody else do that, right? Uh, maybe just hit a like button so I know that I'm not alone there, that when you get in the meantime moment of life, you tend to focus on the problem. We saw that in each story, didn't we? Okay, here it comes. Story number one, Abraham and Sarah, right? Um, they had been living in the meantime for 11 years. They were focused on what? The problem. <laughs> no baby, no promise fulfilled, no land to walk into. Right? The second story is the disciples with Jesus. They were focused on the problem, right? They didn't really see a man that was born blind. They didn't even consider that Jesus could do a miracle here. They just saw the problem, right? The blindness. And then that third story, Peter in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10 and, and really beyond, that's the, the third story. Peter is wrestling with the problem of the past. That Jesus' death and resurrection has changed everything, including Peter himself. But Peter is struggling to move forward. We have this tendency to focus on the problem as we live in the meantime moments of life. And focusing on the problem usually leads to, guess what? More problems. <laughs> Now, the biggest problem is that you aren't focused on Jesus, of course, right? But, but consider some of the other results. Abraham and Sarah, right? They take action. They get to work. They assume that they need to do something in order to be recipients of God's good work. Uh, Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. This is 10 to 11 years after the original promise that God had made. 10 to 11 years of living in the meantime, right? Here's what, Sarah, here's what it says. It says, now Sarai had borne Abram no children. 10 to 11 years of waiting. Now see what Sarah says. Sarah says this, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. I mean, it's baffling, right? But Abraham and Sarah, in the meantime, uh, they're, they're staring at their problem, and they decide to take action, right? They decide to get to work. Um, and, and, and their actions and their work, of course, uh, is not God-pleasing, and it's not part of God's plan for them. But how many of us, as we live in the meantime, and we start to stare at the problem, and the problem gets all of our attention, and what do we do? We get to work. <laughs> we start doing something about the problem. We create solutions. And then we've got the disciples with Jesus, right? What do they do? They play the judgmental blame game. Why is this man blind, right? Who is to blame? Did he do something wrong or was it his parents? <laughs> so many of us, as we live in the meantime, we focus on the problem, and we want to know who is to blame and why did this hard thing happen. Now, Peter, uh, that third story, he's an interesting story. Uh, he, he actually focuses on Jesus and the prompting of the vision in Acts chapter 10. But, but we know that as time goes on, he slips back into the, the problem of the past. You see, he's Jewish, and he's used to hanging out with Jewish people. He's used to the idea that God hangs out with Jewish people. He's used to right behavior, being massively important, doing the right thing at the right time, avoiding things that are bad or unclean. As time goes, Peter wrestles with that problem of the past, and he seems to miss some opportunities, opportunities to be part of God's work 
in the whole world among all people. He misses the opportunity to help the world focus on a God who is gracious and gives gifts that are unearned and undeserved. How many times do we live in the meantime, but we miss opportunities because we're stuck in the past? So, so look, just chime in real quick here. And go back to your chat box and let us know who, who, which story do you most connect with? Maybe which behavior uh, do you, uh, you know, connect with the most? Number one, you focus on the problem and you get to work, kind of like Abraham and Sarah. Number two, uh, you see the problem and you want to know who is to blame, uh, like the disciples. Uh, or you focus on the problem, number three, right, and, uh, and, and you're stuck in the past. Let us know which one that you most connect with uh, so that we can, uh, again, kind of commiserate together a little bit. Um, Those of you that get on to Facebook later, you'll see I'm a number one. I tend to focus on the problem and I get to work, right? That's kind of what I do. Uh, But you might be a number two and you focus on the problem and you want to know who's to blame. Uh, You might be a number three where you focus on the problem and, uh, and how things used to be. Uh, pretty interesting. I think it's important we put this on the table. Uh, COVID-19 has certainly drawn out all of these. Uh, some of us turn into workaholic mode, right? Some of us want to, want, want to know who is to blame for this. Uh, some of us are missing the new opportunities that God is creating. And to throw one more in there, some of us are just angry about the whole thing. In the meantime, we tend to focus on the problem. And focusing on the problem just leads to more problems. But look at this, folks. Thanks be to God that God never seems to stop there. He he never seems to, to let stories end there. There is some incredible good news for us in each one of these stories. God didn't give up on Abraham and Sarah. He didn't allow their problem of focusing on the wrong thing to stop his plan. His plan was to give them and the whole world a good, miraculous, and incredible gift. 14 years later, 14 years later, they would have a child named Isaac. And Isaac was just the beginning of that great nation, a great nation that gives birth to Jesus. And Jesus is the ultimate expression of God's love. Jesus didn't allow the questions around the blind man to to distract him. He answered the question, no one is to blame. It doesn't matter who is to blame. This problem, this wrong thing will allow me to be known and experienced like never before. This problem, this wrong thing will allow me to be displayed in all of my glory. He said in John chapter 9 verse 3, he said, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he touched the man's eyes and they were opened. And Jesus didn't leave Peter in the past, doing the same old thing with the same old people. He didn't allow Peter's problem of focusing on the wrong thing to stop his plan of changing Peter, changing Peter little by little. He sent dreams and people into Peter's life to help him to see, see that things can be done a little bit different way with a little bit different people, and it will be okay. And folks, Jesus won't leave you in the meantime either. He won't leave you there focusing on your problem. See, let's lift our eyes to Jesus so we can see. 
We can see his love. We can see his miraculous work. Let's lift our eyes to Jesus so we can see the glory of God on full display. Let's lift our eyes to Jesus so we can see the new opportunities. But I'm asking you today, remember the kids chat? We desperately need each other in this season. We need somebody to come alongside of us and sort of enlarge the picture and say, hey, look, here's Jesus. Stop focusing on the problem. Stop wallowing and come back to Jesus because he's all that you need. I hope that we can be a group and a community that, that does that with one another. Amen? Amen.